Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. Sunday, I was excited about delivering this message, but I just didn't feel right about it. There was just something about it that just, just wasn't there. And I don't know what it was. And I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I said, God, what is it that, you're, that I'm missing? What is it that, you, that I'm not saying? What is it that I, have, that I have put into this sermon that's me and not you? And in this extra week, or this extra few days since I got the, 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 the text asking me to preach, I went back and I looked at the sermon again. And I found it. I found what was me and what was not God. And so I'm not saying that God gave us that snowstorm to give me more time to prepare. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there was a blessing in it. Now, I know it's hard for us to find a blessing in 15 inches of snow and 40 below zero wind chills. But there's a blessing in there. There's a blessing in everything if we look for it. If we understand that God did that and he had a reason to do that. Now, all of you that didn't go to work and you got extra days at home with your family over the holidays, you can thank God for that. <laughs> Those of you that had to get out there and go to work anyway because you're missing the central, Adam, thank God you got a job. <clears throat> okay. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray and then we'll get right into this sermon. I'm ex- now I'm excited about it. Here we go. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've done. We thank you for this congregation, this body of believers, these people that are living and acting in one mind and one heart, following you and coming to hear your word spoken. Lord, we, we, I pray for your blessing over these people, over your people. I pray for your blessing over me, that what I'm about to say is literally your words and not mine, that I'm merely the mouth, mouthpiece, I'm merely the vessel that you use, to bring forth what you would have said to these people, your people, that you love so much. So, Lord, be with this service. Be with this, this delivery. Give me the peace and comfort. Open my mind. Open my mouth to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So I titled the sermon this week, How to Grow Like an Acts 2 Church. So you can take that as a hint. You need to turn to Acts 2. Okay. I'm going to be reading from Acts 2. Verses 41 through 47. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and read these three scriptures, and then we'll, and then we'll go back through and, and work through them. So verse 41. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed by the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all, as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Amen. All right. 
So the title of the sermon is, How Do You Grow Like an Acts 2 Church? Now, you might be asking yourself, what does he mean by that? Thank you for asking, because I'll tell you. It could mean, how do we grow Victory Church to be more like an Acts 2 church? How do we go take this congregation and build it up and, and make it an Acts 2 church? And we'll get into what an Acts 2 church looks like in just a second. But how do we build Victory Church to be more like the early church? Or it could mean, how do we grow our small groups to be more like an Acts 2 church? Now, you may know, you probably know, or if you don't, this is news to you, uh, that I'm, I am taking over the duties as a small group leader a small group coordinator. So it's, it's important to me. It's, it's something that's all really on my heart to grow our small groups and make our small groups bigger and better and stronger. So this could mean, this sermon could be about how to grow our small groups. It could also mean how to grow you as the disciple, you, the learner, the, the follower of Christ, how to grow you yourself like the early disciples grew. So it could mean how do we grow the church or how do we grow the small groups or how do we grow the people? But before we get into that, let's back up just a bit. What does an Acts 2 church look like? This thing that I'm trying to, 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 to speak to, what does it look like? What was an Acts 2 church like? Well, from the verses I read, we can, pick, we can pick out a few things. First of all, it was a growing church. I mean, they started out with 3,000 people on day one, which we would consider a mega church, and then... The Lord added to them those who were being saved. Every day they grew and they grew and they grew. It was a growing church. But I use the word church loosely. It was actually many home churches, but they themselves were growing in community, meaning they had many home churches. They were meeting in their homes. They were breaking bread together. They were fellowshipping together. But they were not, they were not forgetting to meet together corporately in the temple. So these small home churches would come together daily and meet in the temple in the temple yard and the temple complex and then they would go from there to their small home churches where they would minister to each other and they would disciple each other and they would grow together so when i say the the acts 2 church it's not the crystal cathedral with three services on sunday and two on saturday and thousands and thousands upon pe of people gathering together as one body yes they did that but the Acts 2 church was really small churches that worked in community with each other. So let's make, I just want to make that clear. It was a caring church. They loved the Lord and they loved each other and they spent time together in fellowship and prayer. They cared for each other. They took care of the needs of the people that were amongst them. It was a devoted church. They made their time together a priority and they understood the need for community in the body of Christ. It was a church in awe of the Lord and had a hunger for the apostles' teaching and the word. That's what an Acts 2 church looks like. It's a dedicated, devout, caring, loving body of believers that loves their Lord and loves each other. They've devoted themselves to gathering together and breaking bread. They sold what they had to provide that for those who had not. They shared their money, their possessions, their time, but more importantly, they shared their lives together. That's what an Acts 2 church looks like. And I don't know about you, but that's the kind of church I want. Amen. Amen? That's the kind of church I want. I want a church that loves the Lord first and then loves each other. 
And when, when, you, when, you follow that, when you follow that plan, where you love the Lord first and you love each other, that sounds really familiar. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself, right? Where, does, where do I fit into that? Where does love me fit? Love the Lord first, now love my neighbor second. Where do I fit in? Where does love for me come in? Way down at the bottom of the list. That's the kind of church I want. Excuse me, phone's going off. That's the kind of church I want. So the question is, how do we get a church like that? Now, I'm not implying that we don't already have a church like that. Don't get me wrong. How do we get a church like that? Well, we get it the same way they got it. So let's back up a little bit. Let's look in Acts 2, verses 12 through 21. So in Acts 2, 41 through 47, we see a church that's meeting together and loving each other and acting the way the Christians should act. But how did they get to that point? How did they get there? So in Acts 2, 12 through 21, it says, they were all astounded. Well, okay, before I go there, Pentecost had, had, had happened. The Holy Spirit had come into the body of believers. And here were these men in the temple complex, 11 of them at this point, the apostles, were in the temple complex. And they're sharing with the, with the people of Jerusalem. And they're telling them about Jesus Christ. They're, they're spreading the word. They're evangelizing. They're spreading the gospel. But the people didn't understand. The people of Jerusalem and from all, and from all over the, the Jewish world, they didn't understand what was going on. They didn't understand where this power came from. Where were these men? And these men were speaking with power and authority, and they're just fishermen and tax collectors and sinners just like everyone else. Where did they get this authority to speak? And they were speaking in unknown tongues. Now, I'm not going into the speaking in tongues. We can talk about that. But they were, everyone heard the gospel message in their own language. And they're wondering, how is this possible? So in verse 12, it says, They, meaning the people, were all astounded and perplexed, saying to one another, What could this be? But some sneered and said, oh, They're full of new wine. Yeah, they're all drunk. Okay? They were, but they were drunk on the Holy Spirit. That's another story. But Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, Men of Judah and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only nine in the morning. On the contrary, this was what was spoken through the prophet Joel. That's verse 17. And it will be in the last days, says God, that I will pour my spirit out on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I will even pour, my, pour out my spirit on my male and female slaves in those days, and they will prophesy. I will display wonders in the heaven, in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood. Before the great and remarkable day of the Lord comes, then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Think about this. You're in first century Jerusalem. 
where, where the, the Jewish nation is going through the paces and they're living out this works-based salvation. They're living out the requirements of a dead religion. They're putting their hope in the wrong things. And they've been trained that way since birth. For generation after generation after generation, they've been trained to believe that their works are what would save them and what they could do for God would earn God's favor. And here comes this unwashed fisherman that says, then anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. A bomb just went off in the temple court. And the shockwave astounded them. We hear these words and we think, yeah, that's what Christianity is all about. We understand that. Those who call on the Lord will be saved. Got it. That is a radical idea in the first century in Jerusalem. It is completely contrary to everything they understand and everything they held as true. In the deepest parts of their heart, this was blasphemy. That all you had to do was call on the name of the Lord and you were saved. This is astounding. But, he, but Peter didn't stop there. He went on to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. This crude, unwashed, unlettered, uneducated fisherman preached one of the most powerful sermons in all of history. He told them about, he reminded them of their history. He reminded them where they came from and what God had done for them. And he illustrated, he showed them, he led them down the path so they could see how far from God they really were. This fisherman from Galilee, he wasn't the high priest. He wasn't the religious elite. He was telling them they were doomed. He laid down the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they were astounded. And he ended with this in verse 32. God has resurrected this Jesus. We're all witnesses to this. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit... He has poured out what you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord declared to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let the house of Israel, that means you, know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. Wow. Wow. That's a prophecy. That's preaching. And what happened? They, were, they believed and were baptized and were filled with the Holy Spirit. That is the essential ingredient. That is the foundation of an Acts 2 church. Or any true church. The acceptance of the saving grace of Jesus Christ and the presence of the action of the Holy Spirit in our church. Without that, we've got nothing. Without that, we're a body of, we're a, we're a, a social club, we're a group. Without the, the working of the Holy Spirit, the action of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives and in our church, we have nothing. We cannot be an Acts 2 church. It is completely contrary to human nature for us to sell what we have and give to our neighbor in need. It's contrary to us as unsaved human beings to gather together and worship and study and live lives together. Because what is, what is it all about if you don't have the Holy Spirit in your heart? It's all about you and what's in it for you and what you can get for it. It's nonsense to, to live like that. 
for the unsaved. But for us, the ones that have the Holy Spirit, it's not only perfect sense, it's a calling. It's a blessing. It's what we were created to do. It's what we were created to be. So without the working of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 church, it's impossible. We have to start there. We have to start by being a body of believers who are given ourselves to, to Christ and have received the gift of grace in the Holy Spirit. It starts there. Nothing else we can do will make a difference if we don't have that. That's where it starts. So then what? They were filled with the Spirit. They believed. They were baptized. And they were filled with the Spirit. Not necessarily in that order. Jared? Where's Jared? Oh, anyway. Not necessarily in that order. Then what? Then they lived like they believed it. They acted like they believed it. Their lives were changed. They weren't the same people they were before. And the world could see. The world could see the, 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 the rest of the community of Jerusalem were looking at these people saying, what is wrong with them? They're different now. They heard that smelly, unwashed fisherman talk, and now look at them. Look what they're doing. They're living their lives together. They're loving each other. They're not looking out for number one anymore. What's different about these people? They lived like they believed it. Let's look in Acts 4, starting in verse 32. And this is the difference. What do we call it at Victory Church that we're trying to, we're, one of our, our major goal, what we're trying to achieve? RTLs, radically transformed lives. This is a description of radically transformed lives. Acts 4, verse 32 through 37. 32. Now the large group of those who, who believed were in one heart and one mind. And no one said that, that they had any possessions of his own. But instead they held everything in common. And the apostles were giving testimony with the great power of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them. Because all those who owned lands or houses sold them. Brought the proceeds of the things that were sold. And laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed for each person's basic needs. Joseph, a Levite, and a Cypriot by birth, the one, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Nonsense to the world. Perfect sense to us. They acted differently. Their lives were transformed. They were changed from the inside out. Not from their own power, not from their own works, but the action of the Holy Spirit in their lives. It made a profound difference in the world. So I think we can agree that's what we all want, right? Is that what we want? Say amen. amen. Yeah, we want to be like that. So how do we get there? How do we get there? Well, we must love as, we, as, as they loved. God first and each other second. We must love one another. We must care for one another. We must forgive one another. We must hold one another accountable in love. There are a total of 31 commandments in the, in the New Testament that contain the words one another. We're to live like that. Not for me, but for one another, for each other. We can only get this in community. John Dunn said, no man is an island, no man stands alone. 
which is true. We need each other. God created us that way. He created us to live in community. We need each other. We have to build each other up. We need to share our lives together. Notice how they did it then. How did they do this? How did they achieve this community? Every day they devoted themselves to the meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. This was not a megachurch in the modern sense, although there was community with a larger body. This was a collection of small house churches, like I said, that gathered together on a regular basis to support and love each other. That is how you grow an Acts 2 church. But that's not the whole story. What's going on in these house churches? Well, the gospel was being taught. Scripture was being read and learned. Bible study was taking place. People were learning and growing in their faith. Discipleship was happening. The people were talking about their faith. They were telling others about the Christ they had found. They were spreading their light, the light of the gospel, throughout their communities and their neighborhoods. Evangelism was happening. They were sharing what they had and giving to the poor. Stewardship was happening. They were reaching into their communities. They were connecting. They were growing. You notice a trend? Notice our pillars of, of the church? That's what was happening. In community, they were living out the gospel. The power of their love and caring for each other carried over to the world and then combined with the other groups, they changed the world. The world was not changed by mega churches, but by small house churches that shared the gospel together. And now it's our turn to change, our turn to change the world. I said the name of this sermon may be about growing victory to act like to, to be more like an Acts 2 church. Or it could be about growing small groups that act more like an Acts 2 church. Or it could be about growing you and me, each of us personally, to be more like Acts 2 believers. So which is it? Is, what am I talking about? Am I talking about growing Victory Church? Am I talking about growing our small groups and making them more powerful witness for God? Or am I talking about growing each and every one of us in our discipleship and our sanctification? What am I talking about? The answer to the question is yes. I'm talking about all of that. I'm talking about growing each and every one of us, growing our small groups and growing our church. I'm talking about all three. Because they're mutually inclusive. If one happens, the others do. If we can grow our small groups, then we can grow our people. And if we can grow our people, we're growing our small groups. And if we're growing our small groups, we're growing our church. They're mutually inclusive. If one happens, the others follow. So how do we do that? Here's the challenge for you. If you agree with me, that's what you want. And that's what we want this body of believers to be. Here's the challenge. This is how you do it. You have to get connected. Because just like an Acts 2 church, we have to grow smaller as we grow larger. Can you imagine what it was like to shepherd a flock of 3,000 brand new Christians? Hi, I'm Paul. I've been a Christian since yesterday. 3,000 times. It was impossible. They couldn't gather 3,000 people in the temple courts every day and disciple them. 
They couldn't take care of their basic needs. They couldn't understand what their wants and desires were. They couldn't understand what they were crying for and what they were longing for. It was just unmanageable. It was too big. So they had to, they had to get small so that they could, they could get big. They had to gather together. That, okay, it sounds like I'm, I'm saying that we ought to divide victory up into, into small churches. And, no, that's not what I'm saying. We, we must gather together as they did in the temple. Corporate worship is the backbone of any church. It's where we as a group worship and welcome and study together. It's where the word is preached with power and, importantly, persistence. It's where doctrine is laid down and a culture is grown. Corporate worship is where a modern church gets its identity. But is that enough? Can we become more like an Acts 2 church in that way? Yes, we can. But it's difficult. It's hard to know everyone's name, much less their prayers and praises, their worship and weeping, their needs and their necessities. Love can come only with intimacy and the removal of that smiling mask that we wear to church on Sunday mornings, that mask that covers up the pain that we're all carrying inside. Look about you on a Sunday morning. We come through the doors. How are you? I'm great. I'm dying inside. I wish God would take me home right now. But I'm fine. Nice to see you. We've got to get past that. We've got to get to the point where you can see what's really going on in people's lives and in their hearts. We've got to see what their needs are so we can serve them. And it only comes with intimacy. And the only way we can get that is by getting small. True fellowship can't happen in a large group. It just can't. Only a small group of believers sharing life together can reach that koinonia, that love that we desperately need, that fellowship that God called us to. Discipleship happens in small groups. And here at Victory Church, that's our primary delivery system for systematic study and growth is small groups. Support happens in these small groups. I'm going to ask you some questions. And I want you to think about it. And I want you to answer this question to yourself, but be honest. Who are your 2 o'clock in the morning friends? And what do I mean by that? It's 2 o'clock in the morning and things just got bad. Who can you call? Is there somebody that you could call that would be at your, would be at your doorstep before you hung up the phone? Can you name them? You know what? Most American males cannot name a best friend. That's our culture. So who are your two o'clock in the morning friends? Who are the ones you can depend on when it's really, really bad? Do you have somebody like that? If you don't, you need somebody like that. Because we all need somebody like that. There's going to come a time... No matter how things, well things are going for you right now, there's going to come a time when you've got to, you've got to reach out and somebody's got to come to your assistance or you're not going to make it. Who are your 2 o'clock in the morning friends? Who is it that you can call when your child has to go to the emergency room and the other kids are asleep in bed that you trust enough to turn over your family to? Do you have anybody like that in your life? You need somebody like that. Who can you tell... The truth to when it's really bad, when you've really messed up, 
Is there somebody that you can talk to that won't judge you? Is there somebody you can open your heart to and say, man, I really messed up? And let me explain what happened. Do you have somebody like that? If you don't, you need somebody like that. Somebody to hold you accountable with love that will say, boy, yeah, you did screw up, but let's talk about it. Now what? Do you have somebody like that? Do you have a shoulder you can cry on? Anybody? Do you have an emergency babysitter? Do you have somebody that can jumpstart your car? Do you have somebody to help you move? Do you have somebody that will come over on a Saturday morning at 8 o'clock and work till 5 o'clock putting down flooring in your living room? I do. Gary, thank you. Do you, have, do you have people like that in your lives? Most of us don't. And it's sad because God wants that for us. Do you have somebody to feed your pets when you're going on, while you're on vacation? Do you have somebody that can help you move? Okay, now you've got all these names in your, in your mind, all these people that, you know, that I just described. How many of them are family members? How many of them are people that kind of have to love you because, you know, they're family? (laughs) Right? Eliminate family members. Eliminate people who are kind of obligated to help you do these things. Who do you have left? How many people that you're not related to would do these things for you? How many people, can you think of anyone that will sit at your bedside when you're on your deathbed? And pray you into heaven. You have somebody like that? My dad used to always say, Oh, Joe Blow and so over here, he doesn't have enough friends to carry his casket. Do you have somebody like that? If you don't, you need to get connected. That's what small groups do, that's what small groups are for. Your small group becomes your 2 o'clock in the morning friends, your emergency babysitters, the guy with the jumper cables, the woman that can come and, 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 and help prepare meals when your wife is sick because we're all clueless in the kitchen, aren't we, guys? That's what small groups become. If you can take off that mask and you can get past the if you can get past the company face that we all put on and you can start really sharing your lives together and start talking about your wants and your needs and your fears and your praises and you start sharing lives together, it gets to the point where your small group is not your family. There's something more than your family because they love you because they choose to. Now, your family might choose to love you too. But... These are people that have no vested interest in you. There's nothing they're going to gain for the, by their love for you other than the reciprocal love that you show them. That's what small groups are for. So if we can do that, if we can get together in small, small units, if we can get a small group of people that meet together in each other's homes, that break bread together and fellowship and pray and study and, and collect coats for the needy, then you've got an Acts 2 church. You've got a church that looks like that. And that's where it all begins. So here's your challenge. Starting next week, we're going to have a sign-up table out front. If you're not connected in a small group now, 
that's an opportunity to put your, to, to let your to let it be known that you're looking for a group. Now we're going to be doing small group leadership training at the end of the month this month. So soon thereafter, we should be launching some more some more groups. So I'm praying that we're going to have something for everyone. We're going to have a night that works for you, or a weekend. We're going to have we're going to have a group that you feel you can belong to, that you can fit into. And I tell you, I've been involved in small groups for a long time. The majority of my growth as a Christian has happened in small groups. And guess what's cooler? Okay, I get to grow, and I get to be encouraged, and there's all this wonderful stuff in there for me, but I get to share it. That's even better, right? I'm at the point now, and this is, this is me breaking my arm, patting myself on the back. I'm at the point now where I can tell that I am the disciple earth. I'm passing this on to the next generation, and there's nothing more thrilling in my life than to watch Christians grow. And that happens in small groups. It happens in the corporate worship too, but it happens in small groups. It's multiplied there. So we're going to have a sign-up table. This is your opportunity to get connected. What I ask you to do between now and then is to pray. Take it to God and say, God, I don't have any of these things you described. I don't have these 2 o'clock in the morning friends. I don't have that feeling of community. Lead me to a group. I believe that our small groups are God's design for a church in cooperation with all the other things we do. I mean, it's, not, it's, it's, it's part of the overall body. But I believe they're incredibly important. And I believe God designed us to, be, to live that way. So, Lord, lead me to a group. I personally believe that you're called to a group. You're called to a church. You follow the workings of the Holy Spirit. And it'll put you where, you're, where you can best serve, best be served. So that's my challenge to you. If you're not connected now, I pray that you pray that God will lead you to the group that he would have you serve in. So we need to get connected. We need to get connected with each other and the global church. If we do that, we can have this Acts 2 church. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we see you working through the lives of believers. We see you leading us through the working of the Holy Spirit to serve each other and to serve the church and to serve the world and to become your light through all the nations. We can only do that if we love each other as deeply as we can. We can never love each other as much as you've loved us, but we can try. We can try to be more like you and, and give with no expectation of return and love for the sake of loving and, and to minister for the sake of ministry and to evangelize for the sake of the gospel. And all of these things happen in our groups. So I ask, Lord, that you move the hearts and minds of the people in this room today that are not connected in their group, that they should, they should find the group that you've called them to and get connected. This is how we grow personally. And this is how we grow as a church. This is where discipleship happens and love happens and fellowship happens. So, Lord, I pray that you work in the hearts and the minds of those that aren't connected and lead them 
to the small group of your choosing for them. I ask, Lord, that you be with those that are already involved in the small groups, that they can get a renewed spirit, and that a revival, if needed, can, can come through their group, and that all of these things we talked about will, will be manifest there, and the world can see. I would love nothing more than the world to look at our small groups and say they are different, and they're going to want to know why. And that's when we can tell them about you. I ask, Lord, that you be with the leaders of these groups, these husbands and wives or single men or, or whoever you have placed in this position of leadership over these groups, that you would give them a humble spirit of servant leadership. They are not there to be in charge of a group. They are there to take that group in charge meaning that group becomes their responsibility and they're there to serve that group. They're to provide leadership, they're to provide logistics, planning, but most of all, they're there to, to lead them to the path of righteousness for your name's sake. I pray for them. I pray for the small group ministry as a whole. May your blessings pour on it. May we grow to the point where where it becomes unmanageable. We've got so many people in groups that we have to, we have to, to find a different way to manage. I pray, Lord, that you build Victory Church from the inside out, that all of this flows into this corporate worship and this body of believers. We're all strengthened by what's going on at the individual group level. So I pray, Lord, for your guidance on me trying to administer this and for Pastor John as he's trying to lead us all in your, in your footsteps going the way that you would have us go. So Lord, I, I pray for this church and these people. If there's anyone here today that doesn't have that Holy Spirit that I spoke of, what I'm trying to describe is impossible to achieve. So that needs to come first. If there's anybody that has not yet accepted you, Lead us to them and let us witness into their lives and let them, let them see the change, the radical change that's occurred in ours as witness for your Holy Spirit so that they may come to you as well. They may come to you and be called your son or daughter and have that spirit that they so desperately need. So Lord, I ask you to be with us all. Build us up in your name and all the glory goes to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with, or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois. 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.